Ho, ho, ho. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Uh, before we get into it, I uh, would like to ask for you guys to subscribe to the channel, hit the like button. Our socials are in the description down below. We've got TikTok for some more uh, short-form content, if that's your preference, and we got Spotify as well if you prefer an audio format. Now, with that out of the way, this week we're going to be going after the Week 16 recap, I believe. That's 16 total games because we're recording a little late. Yesterday was Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody who's watching or listening. And yeah, you want to get us started with some Saints and Rams on Thursday night, Josh? I will. Thursday night seems like forever ago, almost a week at this point. But um, Saints and Rams, uh, the Rams dominated most of this game. If you just looked at the box score, you might think otherwise. But overall, the Rams were in control of this game basically from the start. Uh, the Saints were only in this game really because they had a blocked punt late. They scored a couple touchdowns late. Uh, so it looked a lot closer than it ended up actually being. Um, Derek Carr finished with a good stat line overall, but it's pretty inflated. He didn't play phenomenal, as anybody who watched the game knows. Uh, but overall, if you're just looking at his stat sheet, uh, he overall looked pretty good uh, in that realm. But um, the Rams are now in a very solid spot for the wild cards in an 8-7. and seven. Uh, They're in a position to go get that 7 seed or the 6 seed. Uh, possibly match up with the Lions and get that matchup that everyone on social media is talking about now with the in Detroit in the first weekend. And the Saints, on the other hand, now they're tied with the Falcons at seven and eight for second in the NFC South, uh, which basically means no playoffs if you get second in the NFC South. The Bucks got a big win over the Jags this past week, putting them at eight and seven. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the Saints were looking good. They were beating the hell out of bad teams the past couple weeks. Uh, they ran into a good team and they paid the price. Yeah, one thing I want to point out, aside from the Derek Carr, like, just being very up and down in most drives this season, Chris Olave has really emerged in the second half of this year. I don't have all the exact numbers, but it feels like recently he's been putting over, like, 100 yards after 100 yards after 100 yards. He's just, he's been phenomenal in playing with an inconsistent quarterback. That's really tough to do, and just, I'm impressed with what he's been doing. But with the Rams, we talked about it before, uh, Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, uh, Puka Nakua, those three have been a phenomenal trio for Stafford, whether they're running the ball or throwing it. And believe it or not, all three of them got carries this week. And Stafford, he was very efficient, no turnovers. Kyron Williams got over 100 yards. Again, it's like clockwork with him whenever he's healthy. And Puka, another phenomenal game for the rookie, nine catches, 164 yards and a touchdown. I'm sure he's a finalist for uh, some of our stud of the week picks. But outside of that, the Rams, they, they're they in very, very easy position to make the playoffs. They win out 10-7. and seven. They're most likely going to make a wild card spot. I'm really hoping, like you said, Josh, that Rams-Lions, I think that's a phenomenal wild, wild card weekend matchup. And I'm I'm hoping for it, honestly. That would be a crazy game. Rams have won five of their last six. Matt Stafford is looking great. 328 yards and two touchdowns. He has 14 touchdowns and one interception in the Rams' last five games. He's thrown multiple touchdown passes in five straight games for only the third time in his career. He has been incredible. Uh, if he was healthy all season, you, you might almost be in the uh, MVP conversation. Uh, Puka Nakua, he continues his great rookie season, like you said, Zach. He's got to, right now, I'd say, be the runner-up for offensive rookie of the year behind C.J. Stroud. And Kyron Williams, like you said, Zach, has been phenomenal. Um, Saints just did not have the firepower to keep up with this uh, Rams offense. Uh, Rams had 458 total yards. Their offense just absolutely dominated this game. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, and a Lions matchup, I don't think that'd be good for the Lions, but this Rams team is scary. 
Yep, moving on here to some Saturday games, Bengals at Steelers. I love how the NFL just completely just takes over Saturdays the second college football gets up out of there. Uh, but they did it again this week. Bengals at Steelers. The Steelers dominated this game from start to finish. They were up 24-0 at half. Uh, Steelers and Mason Rudolph just played well the whole game in his first start this season, first start since 2021. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, on Twitter, Steelers fans, uh, which one of the most volatile uh, fan bases in all of sports uh, as far as like what I've seen on social media. One time, one day they want Mike Tomlin gone. One day they want any of the three quarterbacks starting. Now they're fully on Mason Rudolph. I've seen most people saying they want Rudolph even when Pickett gets healthy at this point after just one game, uh, which is a little bit crazy in my eyes. But Steelers defense, they went out there. They created turnovers. That was going to be the recipe for success for them. They are everything with this team, and they need to continue to be that uh, to win games going forward. Now, the Bengals had a long touchdown in the second half. That was really their only big moment all game they were dominated from start to finish but they are still sitting at eight and seven oh which is pretty good for the afc you want to be in that you want to be above 500 at this point any of the teams like the broncos who are seven and eight all those seven and eight teams are in a tough spot right now where they basically well they have to win out and they need a lot of help uh the Bengals don't need a ton of help but they do need to continue winning games here and overall big win for the steelers uh mike tomlin's gonna finish over 500 again I, I definitely want to see that. Uh, he is either a, I believe, a win or a tie from being 500 or better this year while they're sitting at eight and seven. So that's definitely great to see. I love Mike Tomlin. He's a great coach. And he showed how great of a coach he is today. Third string quarterback, Mason Rudolph, ironically, two days before Christmas, he comes out. Looks like he just flat out dominated. He was able to hit the short, deep, intermediate passes. Rarely just made a bad pass with uh, poor accuracy. Najee Harris looked like the first round pick that the Steelers hoped he would be when they drafted him. George Pickens had four catches, almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. I'm surprised he didn't get called for for uh, taunting on that one touchdown where he looked back and pointed at the guy right before he went into the end zone. I thought that was awesome. I've been a big George Pickens guy ever since he came out of Georgia. I was hoping the Bears would take him, but it is what it is. Jake Browning, he was a little disappointing against a really good defense, actually, but those three picks are something you got to hope that you keep under control on the road. You don't want to turn the ball over when you're on the road in a tough environment. As we know, Pittsburgh, when they get running and going in the fourth quarter, it's a real tough place to play. Joe Mixon wasn't giving him too much help. Rough day on the ground, under 50 yards again. T. Higgins, he did have that one really long touchdown, like you mentioned, Josh, but other than that, he didn't really step up in Jamar Chase's absence as well as he could have, in my opinion. Speaking of Jamar Chase, they missed him today, or not today, on Saturday. They really needed him, and it's really unfortunate that he's probably going to be out for maybe one or two more weeks. Yeah, Rudolph dominates on the eve of Christmas Eve. I sh- I-, I predicted that this could happen. Uh, sadly, I didn't pick it to happen, but George Pickens, really good bounce back. Week, like you said, Zach, uh, he looked very good out there. Four catches for 195 yards. He almost had that Randy Moss stat line from a long time ago. Uh Mason Rudolph, two-plus years of waiting, comes in and has one of the best games of his career. This is the most points the Steelers have scored in a game since 2020. Um, and Jalen Warren was able to back up his talk. He had the very nice block on the touchdown run. And um, he said he would do it for George Pickens, and he did it for uh, Kevin Austin. But Bengals just didn't have it. No Jamar Chase. Their offense really couldn't move the ball well in this great Steelers defense. Uh, he had 335 passing yards, but three interceptions. You're not going to win many games when you lose a turnover battle like that. First Steelers sweep of the Bengals since 2019. And like you guys said, the Steelers just need one more to get to that 500 record for Tomlin. Yep, moving on here to Saturday night football. Bills and Chargers. 
Uh, the Bills, one of the hottest teams in football, if not the hottest, kind of struggled this game against maybe the coldest team in football in the Chargers. Um, a muffed punt in this game kept L.A. in it early. Uh, they capitalized on that. They kind of stayed in there the whole game after that muffed punt. Another James Cook fumble uh, almost lost the Bills this game uh, overall, which would have been very bad for them. Now they're up to nine wins, which basically guarantees them a playoff spot at this point unless they absolutely implode. Uh, so they were in a position where they could have lost this game and just absolutely messed up everything they had going for them on uh, this run to the playoffs. Uh, but they didn't. They held on. It seems like whenever the Bills like have looked hot this season, like for example, early when they were beating the hell out of bad teams and they beat the Dolphins, then they have a couple losses that just don't make any sense. They were on a tear leading up to this game. They almost did it again and lost to a bad team and said they just struggled. You can't do that in the playoffs. You can't win a couple games and then take a game off. Uh, obviously, in the playoffs, they will be playing teams, good teams. They won't be playing bad teams, so they won't have a chance to struggle against bad teams just because they're not going to be playing them. But overall, um, as much as I love this Bills team when they're really, really good and when they're winning games against great teams, like they beat the Cowboys and the way they played against the Eagles uh, and the Chiefs, of course, um, they looked great. They look like one of the best teams in the league. They look like they can win the Super Bowl. But overall, they're just too inconsistent for me. I could see them going in there, winning a game. I mean, I know they still have a chance to win the division. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think Miami beats them in Week 18. But um, you can't do that in the playoffs. They are not going to be uh, one of my teams that I think can win the Super Bowl when the playoffs come around. Uh, but you never know. They have the talent to go do it. Just will they execute? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but... I found this game very, very similar to the game against the Giants that the Bills had a month or so ago. Uh, They were just letting a really rough team just hang around and almost win it at the end. Uh, Definitely a lot closer with the Giants game, but this one, it didn't feel too much different. Backup quarterback, and they just somehow kept moving the ball. They just never uh, closed out the game. Buffalo, obviously, they've got the explosiveness on offense with Diggs and Gabe Davis. Unfortunately, Diggs was just very absent, only five catches for 29 yards. Feels like he's been very quiet the last month or so. Uh, It's really unfortunate, and I guess you can say that Josh Allen's lack of uh, pass attempts the last couple weeks could be involved in that, but you really got to hope that he gets a little bit more involved come playoff time because you're not going to have success not going to your best guy. Uh, On the Chargers side, just throw out the tape of the season. I mean, sure, you stuck with him. Maybe Easton Stick can be a reliable backup for you. Eckler, I think they're going to let him walk this offseason. Josh Palmer, he's been really nice. Quentin Johnson, I feel like he had a couple chances to make some big plays, especially in the run-blocking game. Couldn't really make it happen. But, yeah, they were missing uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and a lot of receiving threats, and obviously their starting quarterback. Just get to next year. Uh, hit a couple home runs in the draft, maybe first round, maybe later rounds, and try and contend for the AFC West next year. Yeah, the Bills made this game a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, the Chargers, they came out, they played tough. They went up 10 nothing early. They looked like a pretty solid in the first game without Staley. They came out with energy, um, but they couldn't get it done late. They've lost six of their last seven, which is good for their tank. Uh, Easton Stick looked okay, like you guys said. Cameron Dicker looked great, the kicker. He's been very good. He had a career-high five field goals in this game. Um, but Josh Allen, they were able to find a way to win this game, this offense. James Cook, I think he only had 70 yards on the ground. But Josh Allen, first player in NFL history with four consecutive seasons of 40 combined touchdowns. And he's now the second quarterback to reach 50 career rushing touchdowns. So he's been most of their rushing attack in his career. Um, he leads the league in the total touchdowns this year, he's got 13 rushing, 27 passing, 40 total, and um, was able to 
get this team to win again. Uh, we got the random Gabe Davis breakout game that we seem to get every four weeks or so. Five, four catches for 140 yards. Um, Stefan Diggs, like you guys said, he's been quiet recently. They're going to have to figure that out. You got to be able to get the ball to your best weapon. And uh, that game with the Miami Dolphins in week 18 is going to be a big one. And I think the Bills get it done, to be honest with you. The way they played against the Dolphins earlier this year, they they dominated them. But it is a different team. I still think they find a way to get it done. Uh, nothing with play style, just with production. Gabe Davis is on some like Tyler Lockett shit of like he'll be quiet for like five games and then he'll get you six catches, 200 yards and a touchdown somehow. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, we'll move on here. Uh, Lions and Vikings. Uh, I just want to start this off by saying uh, to all my Lions fans out there, especially those that are under the age of 32 and have been watching this team for a decade plus just be nothing but garbage. We had a couple competitive seasons where we got 10 wins lost in the first round of the playoffs uh, under Caldwell in that Calvin Johnson era. Uh, I just want to say to all of you, we did it. <laughs> Finally, NFC North champs uh, for the first time in franchise history. I haven't won the division since it was the Central in 1993. Um, we didn't. A lot of us didn't get to see Barry. Uh, we've seen nothing but poverty, and it feels good to finally have a team that's out there winning and nothing but excited to watch them every week. Um, Dan Campbell, he was on the 0-16 Lions team. Uh, that was just the absolute rock bottom for this franchise, and now he gets to be a part of leading the Lions to their first division title ever. Uh, so that's huge uh, just for the organization, for him. Um, just ha- happy to have him at the helm. The Lions played super well this game in Minnesota. Uh, they had some slip-ups. Uh, they almost let the uh, Vikings come back late. The last two times they played in Minnesota under Dan Campbell, the Vikings did come back late and steal two games uh, at home. The Lions did not let that happen this time. They sealed it out. They won the game. Uh, Ify, Ifato Melifanwu had the game-sealing pick. He's been phenomenal uh, for the Lions in the past three weeks. He's been on the team three years now. He got benched a couple of years ago. He hasn't been playing well at all. He comes back and plays just a great three games. He's going to be a starter. I honestly do think as this uh, CJ Gardner Johnson still comes back, I could see, and I was just throwing this out there on Twitter after the Lions game. I could see a scenario where maybe you run Cam Sutton, cornerback one, Ryan Branch, cornerback two, have uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, CD Deuce play the nickel. And then you let Kirby Joseph, who had two picks yesterday, and then Ifatu Malafanu, who had the game ceiling pick, them two run safety. I think that's maybe a way that you could uh, get all your best players out there because, let's face it, the Lions have significantly better safeties than they have corners. Uh, so if you can find a way to move, whether it's CD Deuce or Brian Branch to corner, that would be huge. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But regardless, it's something that they could try when all their safeties come back because it would be tough to bench Ify after how well he's played. Um Jameer Gibbs is the number six. I hate to talk fantasy football. He's the number six fantasy running back this season, uh, despite how low of a usage he had earlier on. Uh, being number six with basically David Montgomery taking most of the carries for the first four or five weeks of the season uh, when he wasn't hurt uh, is insane for Jameer Gibbs. He's been phenomenal. If I mean, CJ Stroud's kind of out of fall off. It's going to be interesting to see who wins uh, O'Roy. But regardless, he's in the conversation. Amara St. Brown, 12 catches for 106 yards. He is now third in catches, fifth in yards, seventh in touchdowns. If you had to guess if DJ Moore is ahead of them in any of those stats, what would you say? Zach, you'd probably say yes, zero. He's not ahead of him in any of those, despite playing one more game. Um, Lions defense, like I said, had four picks. They should have had five. Uh, Curb had two. 
Branch had one. He should have had uh, one early on in the Vikings' first drive in their red zone trip. Uh, Mullins threw it right to him. He dropped it. The Vikings ended up scoring on that drive. Uh, if he would have had that pick, I don't know if this game is close. And then, like I said, if he had the game winner. Um, Lions dominated the turnover battle this game. Goff didn't turn it over, uh, which is always the recipe for success for the Lions. For the Lions, you run the ball, you stop the run. Goff doesn't throw picks, and you're going to win more games than you lose. Uh, the Lions now are in a position where if they win out, they guarantee get the two seed. They, ha- they will have the tiebreaker with the Eagles. It comes down to uh, they- they'll have the same conference record if they both win out. They'll, uh, they'll obviously have the same record. They haven't played head-to-head this season. The difference would be just the game next week versus the Cowboys with similar opponents. Thank God that the Seahawks beat the Eagles two weeks ago. If not, then we would have had another tie there. Uh, but the Lions are now in a position where they can control their own destiny, get up to the two seed. If they win out, all they would need is the Niners to lose either against the Commanders or against the Rams. If the Niners win both those games, it'll be Niners 1, Lions 2, Eagles 3, assuming they all went out. Um, If the Niners lose one of those games, the Lions would go up to the one seed, get a bye in the first round, uh, which would be great with a lot of guys that we need to come back healthy for the playoffs. Um, I've said about just everything I needed to say about this game. I'm just ecstatic that the Lions finally won the North. It was great to see after the game in the locker room, Dan Campbell calling up everybody like Dak and Ragnow and uh, and Tracy, all the guys that have been here for years and years and years. Dak has played eight years with the Lions. He's seen everything from the bottom all the way up to the top now of this division, and it's just great to see. It's a great feel-good story, and the job just isn't done. you got to go win a couple more games and prove seeding, and then anything could happen when you get in the playoffs. Well, there's a few things I want to talk about in this game. I think you covered the in-game stuff very well. Props to you for that. First off, congrats to the Lions fans. You have won the division more recently than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a phenomenal thing to be able to say. Uh, And two, uh, really sorry for TJ Hawkinson, current Viking and former Lion. We found out, I believe, a couple hours ago that he tore both his ACL and MCL. Done for the year. So Vikings have just been really unfortunate with injury luck to their stars this year. Uh, Kirk Cousins obviously out for the year. Jefferson was out for, I think, six, maybe seven weeks. And then he re-injured himself, or Dobbs re-injured him on that hospital ball his first game back. And now TJ Hawkinson is done for the year. So it's really unfortunate when they were actually having a pretty solid year and making a push for the playoffs. Uh, And speaking of Justin Jefferson, he had that phenomenal catch. And this was his first, like, phenomenal game back. We really saw the, the current Justin Jefferson one of the guys who's one of the best in the league at his position. He was great. And I think that catch was one of the almost as good as that one against Buffalo uh, last year. I mean, against two defenders, he just somehow comes down with it, lands flat on his back. It was not easy. So for first last, down uh, on Jameer, third and like 25 or 27. Right, or whatever exactly. It was. But I mean, it, he just makes crazy plays and that's what superstars yeah. do. And exactly. lastly, Jameer Gibbs, uh, like you said, despite his poor usage uh, at the beginning of the year, the Lions are really finding a way to integrate both him and Monty into the offense, and Gibbs is just thriving right now. He has been phenomenal as both a pass catcher and a runner. He had two touchdowns on 80 yards uh, on Sunday, and I don't even know what he had receiving, but I don't think it was two. Four for much. 20, I believe. Yeah, four, four for 20, nice. But he's been great in both parts of the game uh he has he also has not been a liability as a pass blocker or chip blocking as well so lions they can be a pretty dangerous team if they can score points in the playoffs and like you said josh if they get their best players out there get healthy in the secondary 
they may be able to just flip the field and maybe get a defensive touchdown or two, which can send them to the next round. Yeah, the Lions finally win the NFC North. Uh, happy for them. Um, 30 years is a long time. A lot of people weren't alive 30 years ago, so congrats to all the Lions fans out there. Um, their defense wasn't great in this game, but when you're able to force four turnovers, that's really all you need to do. Um, I talked about in the Bengals game, if you lose a turnover battle by that big of a margin, you're probably not going to win the game. <clears throat> um, Amon Ra, great game. Jamison Williams, again, continues to get more receptions. Another game with five receptions, 43 yards, so that's nice to see. Uh, and then just this offense looked great. Um, Vikings defense, which has given a lot of teams trouble, Brian Flores, uh, Lions were able to go out there and do what they wanted to do. Um, the Vikings offense wasn't particularly great. Justin Jefferson continues to show that he's the best receiver, like you guys said. Uh, Vikings also lost Jordan Addison early in this game to an ankle injury off of, I think, one of the interceptions. Um, and then, you, like you said, Zach, TJ Hawkinson torn ACL and MCL. Vikings just have not had uh, the injury luck this season. They've lost, obviously, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson for most of the season. So their offense is very banged up, but they're still in a chance to make the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. But congrats to the Lions. Yeah, just a uh, one couple thing more things. Oh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, as you were talking, Mike, I kind of thought of uh, the whole Brian Flores thing. Do we think he goes and gets a head coaching job somewhere, or do you think he just stays as a DC like what Fangio was doing and like just bounce around the league or just become dominant somewhere in one place and just let the head coach take the reins and he just is full control of the defense where anything he says goes? What do we think he's going to do? I think you could say Minnesota. I think yeah, he would I say think Minnesota, that's a very valid option. I Minnesota kind of, with a good defense could be violent. Right. I mean, they somehow uh, miss out on the, what's it called, on the playoffs, and then they're sitting at like the, I don't know, 15, 16 pick range, and maybe they trade up for Jaden Daniels, let him sit behind Kirk Cousins, you franchise tag him for a year, and then let Flores take control of the defense, uh, KOC, just continue going with the offense. I mean, or you just wait until the second round and get a Bo Nix or something like that. I mean, the Vikings that have a like lot a of pick. ways they can go. They can go a, a lot of different directions with their personnel on their team and with the staff they have. And I'm honestly really interested and also kind of nervous because Josh, you and I, we got to see him twice a year. So, yeah, I think the only job he would take, I think if uh, Flores was to take a job, he'd have to really trust the owner. And I think the only job he would take if it was to become head coach would probably be the Patriots. And there's an opportunity for that this season. So, Former coach. Yeah. Right. I, I can definitely see that happening. Uh, just a couple more things I wanted to touch on that I forgot. One, on the Brian Flores topic, uh, we said he has the highest blitz rate in the league, over 50%. Um, the Lions held him to one sack. The Lions O-line, when they're all playing together, they're going to be great. If the Lions O-line is healthy and they get back some guys, there's a very small handful of teams that I think are genuinely better than the Lions in the entire league. Um, as far as Flores, uh, Ben Johnson didn't forget that when Flores came to Miami, he fired Ben Johnson, uh, Ben Johnson got his revenge and just proved that, uh, there's levels to this shit. Um, the Vikings couldn't run the ball at all. Lions run defense was great. Uh, that really just opened it up for forcing Nick Mullins to throw. Yeah. He gets 400 yards, but he also throws four picks when you could shut down a run game and you have a quarterback that's not phenomenal. You're going to force him to throw some bad throws and he threw five picks and only got only got four but 
Uh, yeah, just to finish this off, you said on the Jefferson catch, that was just an absurd catch. He's he's phenomenal. He's the best receiver in the league, hands down, no question. Uh, before that play, Nick Mullins fumbled all the and the ball just kept getting kicked down all the way. I think John Kaminsky almost had it. Ball got kicked down all the way to what was it, third and twenty-seven or something ridiculous. When that happened, and then they immediately got a first down on the next play with Jefferson, I was like, oh, I've seen this movie before. You know just what happens in this scenario. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of those. It always happens in Minnesota. So I was just happy to see them. Like the same old Lions lose that football game every single time. The right. brand new Lions do not. So that was good to see. Uh, we can move on to another one of our teams here, even if you don't want to, Mike. Colts at Falcons. Um, great opening. I don't have a ton to say about the game. Great opening drive for the Colts. Uh, to start the game, look like they were going to be in a good spot to win this game. That was basically the extent of their offense scoring wise the entire game. The Falcons in the second half, they score on four or five possessions, three field goals and their touchdown uh, to basically seal this win off for them. Falcons defense played great. They need to continue to play great if they're going to make the playoffs, if they're going to compete against, I guess it looks like Dallas probably now in the playoffs, whoever comes out of that division will probably play them. Uh, assuming we don't see an Eagles collapse here. Uh, the Falcons are a hard team to beat at home. Uh, we've, see, we've seen it. The Colts shouldn't sweat this one too much. You're still above 500. You're still in that good pack of teams that has a great shot, especially with uh, teams like the Bengals losing, teams like the Broncos losing, uh, the Texans, the Jaguars. Uh, this week after this loss, this week could have gone a lot worse than it did for the Colts. Uh, so they got a lot of help this week. It would have been really nice to get this win, move up to nine and six with all those losses would have all but sealed the playoffs for them. But regardless, they still got a, a ways to go to get to the playoffs, but they're not in a horrible spot after losing this one. Yeah. With the Falcons, like you said, huge win for them moving within a game of 500, staying within a game of the division with Tampa and uh, new Orleans after they lost on Thursday, but Taylor Heineke, he was okay. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over. He gave it to the playmaker. Speaking of playmakers, they finally gave it to Bijan Robinson a lot. 12 carries, 72 yards, seven catches for 50 yards. You get your playmakers the ball in space. Good things are bound to happen. Bijan was great on Sunday, and unfortunately, the Colts just couldn't do much to stop him. Uh, I won't talk too much about the Colts. I'll let you take care of that, Mike. But it seemed to me that they were missing Michael Pittman, their main uh, chains mover on offense. He's He's been borderline a top 10 or been a top 10 borderline top five receiver this year in terms of consistency. He's been phenomenal. He he's definitely someone you want to have in the wild card round. If they somehow sneak in with all this crowded jumble of teams sitting at eight and seven, uh, eight and six or nine and six, whatever the records are. And Minshew, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit better, but outside of that, I don't have much else. Yeah. I don't have much to say about the Colts, to be honest. Um, They just got bullied in the trenches. Couldn't run the football. They're missing Michael Pittman a lot. Um, this offense was abysmal and him not playing going into a contract offseason this game could have got him a couple million dollars worth of money but their offense just didn't have anything going Josh Downs I think was their leading catcher uh yeah six catches 39 yards so most receptions um their offense just didn't have anything they couldn't run it they really couldn't pass it after that first possession just disappointing um and then the Colts defense just looked slow guys were just open on every possession uh, they were just checking it down every single play, and the Colts had no answer for a check down in this game. I don't know if they were just so worried about getting beat deep, but Gus Bradley's defense just did not have a good day at all. Um, and Taylor Heineke just seemed to own the Colts. This is back to back years where Taylor Heineke plays the Colts and just dominates them and finds a way to win. 
229 yards and a touchdown. He had no turnovers. The Colts defense finally doesn't get a turnover in a game. That is something we've been doing all season. That has um, helped our offense. Didn't get in this one. And then all season, I've been begging for Arthur Smith to con- consistently get Bijan the ball, consistently get Pitts the ball. He really doesn't do it all season. Then they go and play the Colts. Pitts gets a touchdown. Bijan gets seven catches, 72 rushing yards. Um, good game for the Falcons. They really needed this one. Arthur Smith needed this one to really keep his job. Um, but for the Colts, still control your own destiny. you got to win next week. You need Michael Pittman back next week. He had passed concussion protocol on Friday and then Saturday, picked up symptoms, so he went back into concussion protocol. So uh, hopefully he's back next week. If he's not, that Raiders game could be very bad for the Colts. It's basically a playoff game, especially for the Raiders. They have to win. Colts kind of need to win to keep their um, control of their own destiny. So big week next week. All right, moving on here to Seahawks at Titans. Uh, Seahawks escaped barely in this game. They were down for much of this game. The Titans were on top. Uh, I know the Seahawks had a couple big drives late. I know they had the 10-play, 96-yard drive uh, for their second-to-last touchdown. Uh, Titans responded with a touchdown to take the lead back. That 96-yard drive was the first time the Seahawks led all game. Uh, Titans score uh, to take the lead back, and then 14 plays, 75 yards right back at the Titans from the Seahawks. Those are two huge drives from the Seahawks when your season is literally on the line. Uh, You're coming off of a win against the Eagles uh, where you – Beat them in prime time and solidify yourself as a likely playoff team. If they would have lost this one against the Titans, that would have been very tough for them. As we know, we've been saying it all season. The Seahawks played down to their opponents. Uh, they did that again this week. But if they get in the playoffs and they continue to win games, uh, they're not going to have the problem of playing teams worse than them. We've talked about it before. If the Tennessee Titans are within a, or leading or really close to leading uh, in the first half or even in the third quarter, Derrick Henry being involved in the game script is always just a phenomenal thing for them. He had 19 carries, uh, 88 total yards or 88 rushing yards and one uh, rushing touchdown, then had a completion for a touchdown as well. Just we seem to get one of those every year, which is always fun to see. I didn't catch too much of this game, but I did see that final touchdown with, I think, 53 seconds left by Seattle. So Seattle, if they want to uh, make some noise in the playoffs, they're going to have to start a little bit stronger than what they did. Uh, I'd like them to rely on Kenneth Walker a lot more than they did in the run game uh, in year in not years past in uh, this last game. Uh, we saw it against Philly. Kenneth Walker was making a lot of really big plays. It felt like they didn't go to him enough to let him make more big plays. And I think that allowed them to go down a lot earlier than they anticipated. So if they feed Kenneth Walker and get their playmakers the ball, like JSN, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and just let their quarterback play point guard, that's just going to be a huge thing for them. And they can maybe make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, the Titans, another week, back-to-back weeks where they blow a late lead at home. Disappointing for them, although I guess you're tanking, so it doesn't necessarily matter. You're already out of the playoffs. And the Seahawks, with um some help this week from the Rams with the Saints, they now control their own destiny. If they went out, they're in. Uh, last week, Drew Locke led the game-winning drive. This week, Geno Smith led the game-winning drive. So the Seahawks team, they're finding ways to win games. That's what you got to do to make the playoffs. Um, and the Titans, just disappointing season. Ryan Tannehill first start since October 15th. Uh, couldn't really find a way to win the game. They've lost 10 straight games in the second straight season. Disappointing. Um, Nick Folk can, can extended his NFL record to 78 consecutive field goals made of 40 yards or closer. He's been consistent for them inside of 40. Outside of that, not so much. 
Um, nice win for the Seahawks and for the Titans. Uh, just disappointing. You got a lot of work to do in the offseason to try to build your team around Will Levis. You're going to have to consider moving on from Derrick Henry. Um, but they were eliminated last week, so this game doesn't mean too much to them. So a lot of guys injured and hurt, so not much to expect from them. All right, moving on here to Commanders at Jets. Uh, this game was pretty wild. I don't have a ton to say about it. Jets dominated for most of the game. Sam Howell, another bad one uh, early. He, His fall off has kind of been crazy. I know people are saying maybe he's hurt. That could be part of it. What? Quick, too. Yeah, quick. He fell off a complete mountain. I mean, even on Thanksgiving, he looked good. Uh, but drop-off is just crazy for him. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's not. We don't know. Um, Jets dominated for literally almost this entire game and still almost lost. Jacoby Brissett comes back in for the second game in a row and looked good and almost uh, brought their team back again. Uh, the Jets, though, they're winning games uh, without Aaron Rodgers still, uh, even though they only have, what is it, six or seven wins at this point. I don't remember exactly how many they have. I think, they're, I think they have six ones. But regardless, they're winning some games. It's good for morale. You don't want to just go and just have another horrible, one of the worst team in the league seasons, especially after you have Darren Rodgers go down. Uh, but overall, I think the Jets are going to be good. Been saying it all season. Just got to figure it out, uh, figure out a way to keep everybody on defense in the offseason. And if you could run this defense back with Aaron Rodgers, you're definitely a playoff team. Yeah, keep the defense, get Aaron Rodgers, get some O-line help and just depth in general for just the worst-case scenario, like maybe this year where they lost a couple guys for the year. But Brees Hall, he didn't care about any injuries. He had 20 carries, 95 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground and 12 catches for 96 yards through the air. This was just – this was an Alvin Kamara-type performance from, from what I've seen in years past. Trevor Simeon, he – he was Trevor Simeon. I mean, he didn't do anything too stupid to lose them this game. They were up early. Commanders made a late run. Just wasn't enough. They ended up taking the lead, too. I think 28 to 27 at one point. And then the Jets ended up hitting a field goal late. They ended up winning the game. I guess it's good for morale. Uh, uh, show that you do have the players that can uh, take you to the promised land. You just need the quarterback to compliment them. And that quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. We'll see that later. But like you mentioned, the Sam Howell fall off. If Washington's sitting at pick like three or four, do you think they take like Jaden Daniels or Drake May if he's there? I mean, I with how Sam Howell has been playing, do you want to pair someone like that with the enemy? I think that's Daniels isn't going about. top five. Daniels isn't you don't going, think top he's going top five. No, hell no. Daniels isn't going. If top the five. right teams fall top five, I think you can go top five. The only way I think that happens is if we have a situation like last year where it's like, okay, are we going to have four quarterbacks in the top five? But I personally, he's he's a little frail. His play, he had yeah, Pro big pro day. Huge, right? He's a little frail, and his play style, like I said at LSU, was just uh, he was a good passer. When he's running, he kind of isn't looking to slide ever. He's just getting rocked. He can't play like that in the NFL. I think that alone will probably push him towards the mid first round. Me personally, I think Washington Washington would be smart to go. Offensive tackle, shore off that offensive line that gave up a million sacks this year. Give Sam Howell another year in the offense. Give him some protection. Get uh, Olu or Joe Alt in there just to just to help him out because you can an off a really good offensive tackle early in the first round can work wonders for an offense. Yeah, um, this was surprisingly a fun game to be honest. Uh, Jets went up big early. Jacoby Brissett comes in and somehow brought him back into the game. Sam Howell, like you said, he looked very, very bad. Uh, six for 22, 56 yards, two picks, 1.7 rating. That's almost, that might be the worst rating I've ever seen. 
Um, Jacoby Brissett comes in and looks good. They have to have some concerns about Sam Howell right now. Just doesn't look like the guy. Maybe it's just a slump. I don't know. A uh, big game from Chris Rodriguez Jr. He had two touchdowns. Nice to see from him. Um, helped a guy win the $5 to 500000 parlay. So that was crazy. Um, for the Jets, found a way to win. Their defense played solid enough. Uh, when Jacoby came in, they didn't have an answer to Jacoby Brissett. But big game from Brees Hall. Greg Zerline, game-winning kick. Nice to see. And we know these two teams' destiny. So uh, good win for the Commanders or Jets. All right, moving on here. Packers at Panthers. Uh, the Panthers almost did it. I, I picked the Panthers to win this game. I thought they were going to pull off the upset. So, so close uh, to that. That would have been great. I know I know. Bears fans were sweating a little bit there at the end. Uh, y'all were right about Aaron Jones, though. He did have a big game, uh, first real big game since week one of the year. Uh, quick little round of applause for him. He's now made it to two good games this season. Um, maybe the best Bryce Young game ever. Uh, in his in his professional career, of course, 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Good for him. I'm rooting for him uh, 100% to bounce back and be get a better situation next year and have this not be just a complete botch of a pick and a trade for the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers had three uh, out of their four drives in the second half ended in touchdowns, uh, which is huge for their offense. They dominated the Screen Bay defense that has just been not good the past month or so uh, overall. Even if the Packers do sneak in the playoffs, I unless they play the Lions, which I always feel like, and the same thing with the Vikings. I think the Lions are better than the Packers. I think they're better than the Vikings. But you get a divisional rematch in the playoffs, and anything could happen. Throw the records out. Um, so I think that could be a problem for the Lions, maybe. But overall, the Packers, I don't think they're going to be able to stop anybody in the playoffs uh, if they do make it there. They had a late game-winning field goal after almost choking this game away. Uh, but Panthers, you were right there. If this, if the Packers or Panthers had their own pick, this would be best case scenario for them. Uh, but they don't, uh, so it's not. I've been saying it since uh, Aaron Jones came back after the first injury. Uh, they need to feed him more often. Once they get him going, easily the best player on their offense, they can have a lot of success. This game, they give it to him early. They gave it to him often. Twenty-one carries for one hundred and twenty-seven yards. Big 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 part of why they won and unfortunately AJ Dillon kind of stole a touchdown from him so that sucks for you fantasy owners such as myself out there but Jordan Love was okay he played good enough to get a really narrow win on the road uh Romeo Dobbs was a leading receiver for him four catches 79 yards and a touchdown Tucker Craft played really well in the absence of Luke Musgrave and has been playing well in the absence of Luke in the last uh, few weeks since he went down with injury but on the Panther side like you said Josh this is probably Bryce Young's one of his best games uh, it was of his short career to this point. He had a lot of, lot of really good completions in the fourth quarter, and two of them were really big touchdowns, one of which was that DJ Chark throw, which is just gorgeous in my opinion. I'm always a sucker for a really nice quarterback pass, and lo and behold, Bryce Young delivered. Uh, DJ Chark, like I just said, he had two touchdowns, six catches for 98 yards, probably one of the better games of his career as well, and Adam Thielen, this was probably his best game in the last month or so. Uh He's been really, really quiet recently, and, and he finally got over 90 yards for the first time in a while since maybe week, I don't know, seven or eight. So that's good for him. Uh, like you said, Josh, if the Panthers had their pick in the, the first round next year, this is best-case scenario. You lose close. Your young quarterback gets a lot of good experience. Pick up a, some mental notes on the way. Make a couple mistakes, but those are easily fixed with better personnel around you. And, yeah, I mean, but it's not the case. So thank God for that. And yeah, I, I hated rooting for the Packers this weekend, but it was a necessary evil in order to 
uh, for the future of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, another pretty good game from Jordan Love. He's going against a Panthers defense that has been playing very good this season. Uh, 219 yards and two touchdowns. He played pretty good. He's averaged 263 yards passing over the last six games with 13 touchdown passes and only one interception. Those are very good numbers. This has been a pretty promising season, actually, for him to be the starting QB of the future. Uh, if you're a Packers fan, you have to like what you're seeing from him pretty much this season. It's not just going to be Aaron Rodgers right away. There's going to be development in there. Um, Aaron Jones becomes the first Packers player this season to exceed 100 yards rushing or receiving in a game at 127 yards on 21 carries. So Packers offense had a pretty good day. Um, they're 7-8, and eight, one game behind the Seahawks and Rams. I kind of hope they don't make the playoffs because, like you said, Josh, I think they would get steamrolled. But for the Panthers, you have to like what you saw no matter what. Bryce Young, best game of his career. He looked promising. Um, he showed some flashes finally that we've been waiting to see. Uh, again, he was able to scramble all season, surprisingly 17 yards scrambling. But with his limited weapons, being able to have two receivers over 90 yards is nice to see. So good game for Bryce Young and solid win for the Packers, just continuing to develop Jordan Love. Yeah, the past two and a half weeks, it's looking like Bryce Young over CJ Stroud, right? I mean, he's okay. significantly better. More spots. yards. He has had more yeah. yards. Zero passing yeah. yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, uh, on a serious note, though, Packers do have a huge game next week with the Vikings. Uh, they're both sitting at seven and eight, both competing for that last spot. Uh, but moving on here, Browns and Texans. Flacco had another amazing game. We had a little little bit of Davis Mills, a little bit of Case Keenum this game. Davis Mills actually came in and played pretty well. Uh, they were already down by a lot at that point, uh, but he did play pretty well, similar to Jacoby Brissett the past couple weeks for the Commanders. The Browns couldn't run the ball, and it just didn't matter at all. How many times in the past few years with their quarterbacks that they've had and the fact that they've had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, how many times have they not been able to run the ball and it not mattered? I don't have the stats on that, but I can't imagine it's many times. Didn't matter at all for them today on the road. Browns are already a 10-win team. They can go win up to 12 games now this season, which is just huge. If they win 12 games, give it to Stefanski. I don't care. Um, and unless the Lions went out, then give it to Dan Campbell. But um, this game was only a two-score game because of the kickoff fumble late in the game. Uh, kept the got the Texans a few points late. They scored a touchdown off that. Uh, but overall, Texans still got your backup quarterback in. You really need to get CJ Stroud back to make a run at this. It sucks for them because if they had Stroud, they probably wouldn't be in the situation that they're in right now. Uh, but regardless, they're in that same group of eight and seven teams in the AFC that. Some teams are going to have to lose, and that Colts game coming up in a couple of weeks is just going to be huge for them. Yeah, by all bias aside, I think Stefanski is definitely probably one or two as of now in Coach of the Year voting. With four different starting quarterbacks, they had DTR, uh, PJ Walker, Joe Flacco right now, and Deshaun Watson to start the year. You get a win with each of those, and you're in prime contention for the division even right now with, the, with uh, Baltimore only being two games ahead. Whatever happens the next two weeks, Baltimore's probably going to get it, but Browns are in prime position for a wild card spot. It's phenomenal. Obviously, we've got to talk about the big elephant in the room. Amari Cooper, 11 catches, 264, 265 yards and two touchdowns. Arguably the best wide receiver game of the year. Easily the best wide receiver game since week five, where DJ Moore had 230 and three touchdowns, and Jamar Chase had over 150, had like 15 catches and three touchdowns as well. No, I had to throw my boy DJ in there. But the Texans, you just got to hope you... CJ Stroud comes back next week. Uh, Mills and Keenum, they're not going to cut it for you. Stroud, I still think he's leading uh, the rookie of the year race 
for me. Uh, I think this game is exactly why you too many mistakes by Keenum and then Davis Mills. He's not the quarterback that's going to come in and just save your ass if you just don't play good enough. And they had no running game. Their receivers, they're just really hurt at the moment. Noah Brown and Nico Nico Collins are not going to do enough with Case Keenum and Davis Mills throwing them the ball. You need that connection with CJ Stroud that they've been building all year. And obviously Tank Dell not playing the rest of the year it sucks as well. But Texans, they got to come and clutch the next two weeks if Stroud comes back. And the Browns, I'm just beyond impressed with what they've done with all the injuries they've faced this year. Yeah, I'm beyond impressed as well. Um, I can't remember the odds going into last week because we, we were looking at it, talking about Coach of the Year last week. I think Stefanski was like plus a thousand or something. You and now he's only yeah, now he's only plus one seventy five on that MGM. So the odds have definitely when his favorite Dan Campbell is still the favorite now. Um, for the Texans, Case Keenum due for just 62 yards, two interceptions in his second start. Just didn't look good. They had nothing going against this elite Browns defense. Uh, their best off play really was the Damian Pierce kick return on the camera angle that always leads to a kick return. That's that's something that shows that the NFL might be scripted. You never know. Because every time they do that camera angle where they look over ahead of the field, somehow there's just always a kick return. Um, Texans need C.J. Stroud back. They got lucky last week getting that win against the Titans. Um, you don't know how much longer you're gonna you're gonna get lucky with that. Uh, they didn't have it yesterday. Um, but onto the Browns, Amari Cooper, just a phenomenal game, franchise record, 265 receiving yards, passing Josh Gordon's previous record of 261 yards. He also had two touchdowns, a two-point conversion, and murdered a lot of people's fantasy football playoff hopes, including mine. Uh, that really hurt. Uh, Cooper has 1,250 yards this season first receiver in team history with consecutive a thousand yard seasons um had a lot of them yesterday uh flacco again continues to just be electric with this team there's just something about him through for 368 yards three touchdowns did have two interceptions but really didn't matter it's his four start with the browns and he's by far looked like the best quarterback they've had all season and this team being 10 and 5 is just it's so impressive they're pretty much guaranteed almost at this point one more win on thursday I think against the Jets, and they will have their second postseason appearance since 2002. So Flacco continues to be great. That's not a team you want to see right now in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, as far as coach of the year, you mentioned it, uh, Mike. There are the odds do vary as far as uh, sports book for DraftKings. It's Dan Campbell one plus one seventy five, Stefanski two at plus two hundred. Uh, MGM, I'm seeing plus one seventy five for the both of them. Uh, FanDuel plus 150 for Stefanski, plus 230 for Dan Campbell. So he's a significantly higher favorite on there. And then Caesars, Stefanski is plus 130, which is the best odds of any platform for coach of the year right now uh, over Dan Campbell, who's plus 225 there. Uh, So that tells me Vegas doesn't know what's going to happen, which is always good because it feels like they do with these awards most of the time. They are completely lost. Uh, So I think a bet on either of those guys right now at this point in week 17 is just great value uh, to take either of those. But Moving on here to the first three o'clock game, Jags and Bucks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played poorly and then got hurt again. Uh, so that's a significant problem for the Jags. We talked about with Sam Howell how much of a drop off he's had. The Jags defense has had a significant, significant drop off. Drop off. I knew it was coming. Yeah, it was, it was a matter. I mean, they're playing. A, that happens sometimes with units that play above their skill level, above what everyone thought. Sometimes that drop-off happens. I mean, we see it a lot when a backup quarterback comes in. Danny, or Danny Tommy DeVito um, <laughs> has had it happen. Um, <laughs> can't stop saying Danny DeVito. That's my guy. But uh, 
regardless, you see it happen a lot with massive drop-offs. We've seen it happen with the Jags here. They've been just poor over the past month or so, month plus. Um, another mistake-free game for Baker. Didn't throw any picks. He was great. He's been on an upward trajectory in the past month or so. He's been phenomenal. Rashad White had his first dud game in weeks. Uh, he wasn't great at all. It didn't really matter for the Bucks. They were up a lot for most of this game. Jags, on the other hand, you lose your quarterback, of course. Trevor Lawrence didn't play well when he was playing, no. Four turnovers for the game uh, for the Jags. Just hard to win in that situation. And the Jags have kind of just been trending downward since that original injury from Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I know I said it for sure, but I think you mentioned it a little bit too back in week, uh, or you, Josh, uh, back in week like five or six that the Baker Mayfield dream or the Baker Mayfield run was over and we should just give up on it. But it, I think he's playing the best football of his career in the last three, four weeks. He's been Arguable. phenomenal and and he's been just on a tear and especially the last two weeks, six total touchdowns and no interceptions. He's been phenomenal. The Bucs have a real shot at winning this South and making it not look like an absolute just poverty divisional champion this year. If Baker can play like this uh, in the wildcard round and Philly somehow makes it down to that uh, five seed, who knows? Like Philly's pass defense, they've been a little shaky the last, uh, I don't know, two months. I mean, if they're not entirely healthy and the Bucs are coming in, Chris Godwin's on his 10 catch, 100 yard. 100 yards in a game shit mike evans is mossing people i mean maybe we see a crazy upset in the nfc champs from last year go down in the wild card round but on the other side jacksonville yeah it sucks to see trevor lawrence go down with yet another injury and for bears fans that really sucks because you got jags panthers next week and bryce young against cj bethard i mean that's not a juicy matchup at all if you're hoping for the bears to land the number one overall pick I think the Panthers are still only one loss away from basically securing the final, uh, the the first pick in the draft for the Chicago Bears. But regardless, I'm gonna be sweating either way, and I'm I'm the biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fan in the world next week. I'm the biggest Panthers fan in the world next week, but <laughs> um, just an abysmal so day. From, yeah, bad day from Trevor Lawrence. I. Uh, and to top it off, he picks up another injury. Three weeks in a row, he's picked up an injury. First, it was the ankle. Last week, it was the concussion, and then somehow he passes concussion protocol. And now this week, it's a shoulder injury, and I do expect this one will probably keep him out for a game. They did sign a player to their active roster, a quarterback. Um, and if the Jags, it seems like they didn't learn anything from the Colts with Andrew Luck at this point. I'm not comparing these two players at all because I think Andrew Luck is a much better quarterback. But continue to play Trevor Lawrence through all these injuries and just force him out there on the field, whether it's him forcing himself out there, I don't know, but you had to give him a week off somewhere in any of these games, I think, to just let him rest his body a little bit. He's been taking a lot of hits, especially recently. And these injuries are going to pile up and hurt not only hurt him now, but hurt him later in his career. Um, another just disappointing player besides the defense, which has been disappointing recently, is Travis Etienne. Just supposed to have such a great year. Everyone slanders. Najee Harris calls him a bust. But, yeah, I think he currently has more yards than Travis Etienne on the season. So... He just hasn't been great, hasn't been the running back you really expected him to be, whether it's them not getting him balls in the correct situation. Pause. Um, but uh, this Jags team has been rough. Um, and the Buccaneers are one of my favorite stories on this season. They've just uh, – they really had no expectations going into the season. I didn't really have any expectations. You saw the videos in training camp of uh, Baker and Kyle Trask throwing the passes and just missing the receivers. Just didn't look like they were going to have anything this season. And they've come out and they've been – Maybe the surprise of the season. Mike Evans just continues to dominate in this contract season. He should stay in Tampa, hopefully, his whole career. 
He's going to go down as one of the best receivers of this generation and somehow continues to fly under the radar. He has just been incredible. Like you said, Josh Rashad White didn't have a great game, um, but still found a way to get away with a touchdown. Um, and Baker Mayfield, he's just been so good this season. And we've talked about coach of the year. I think we got to talk a little bit about comeback player of the year. I know I think DeMar Hamlin still is a heavy favorite. I, I just don't see it, man. Baker Mayfield, he's been so Jim rough Bay. in his career. And coming back, he's been incredible. Joe Flacco has come back from retirement from sitting on the couch and has been incredible. I think it should be a two-race contest contest between Flacco and Mayfield but yeah yeah um I will I know I came on last episode and uh laid out the plan for everybody on how the Bears lose the number one pick there will be an updated plan on Thursday's episode <laughs> uh because with Trevor Lawrence gotta get a lot playing, of revisions in there yeah it's I mean it doesn't even really need that many revisions Trevor Lawrence getting hurt just saved it if Trevor Lawrence didn't, if he plays, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it, but if he doesn't play, they for sure have a shot for sure. Um, But moving on here, Cardinals and bears, the bears flirted with choking this game. They decided not to Uh, good for them. Fields had a tough game in the air, but he ran it very well. He had 97 rushing yards. He was pretty good on the, on the ground for them. Paul Komet, he's had a pretty good season overall. Another good game for him here. Um, Cardinals somehow lose this game without turning the ball over. Uh, it's pretty hard to do in this league, especially losing by double digits without turning the ball over. Uh, and they still managed to do that somehow. Um, another flop game for DJ Moore. Uh, you brought up my take earlier, Zach, about Baker Mayfield earlier in the season. I'm going to come right back at you with the DJ Moore top five season take. He's not top 10 in yards, receptions, or touchdowns despite playing every single game. Um, so that's, I mean, I'm not very good at math, but if he's not top 10 in anything this season, how could he possibly have a top five season? I guess maybe if we're going off vibes. But um, regardless, he was poor. Bears get a win over a bad team. They could have choked, and they didn't. Well, I'll start with this. DJ Moore did. He has been playing hurt the last couple weeks, and he got hurt on the first catch of the game, or his first catch of the game. So he was not at 100% the last couple weeks, and definitely No one's at 100%. It's week 16. No one's at 100%. I don't know, man. But regardless, he's definitely he's going through some stuff, especially at the quarterback position. Speaking of the quarterback position, Justin Fields, like you now said, through the fields. air, <laughs> through the air, he's been this game. He was all right. He had two, maybe three really bad plays, one of which was was his interception. I feel like the decision was kind of right, but he just didn't get the accuracy on it. I feel like there was a small window in the corner of that end zone where he could have put it, where Herbert could get the two feet in. But I don't know why you have a running back taking that route anyways. But regardless, I think he was phenomenal as a rusher. Uh, there was a the involving interception. The sequence was he got a 39-yard crazy run. He high-stepped, looked back at the defenders after he made them both miss, took it for another 20-ish, and then the very next play through that pick. That, that's been a very large sum up of what uh, Justin Fields has been for the Bears. Spectacular with the legs, but inconsistent with the arms. Same thing uh, happened in Detroit. Same exact thing. Uh, he I celebrated mean, and then a bit him in the ass as quick as it can. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the, the game in Detroit, they didn't lose because of him. And they won this game. So I don't really think anything's biting him in the ass this week. He had a chance to win that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you talk to Tyler Scott. He said on record, yeah, I could have ran the route better, and it missed by like an inch. Of course, so he's not going to blame his quarterback. Better. He's not going to be like, yeah, regardless. <laughs> regardless, if, regardless, if you see the play, Tyler I Scott agree. messed up. I agree. But... To it. Regardless, 
Fields, I I've been rooting for him since day one. Uh, whatever polls decides, I'm good with because if you take a quarterback at one, probably Caleb. Um, you get a fresh uh, contract reset, all that. And then if you stick with Fields, you get to trade back from one, maybe one or two spots, take Marvin Harrison Jr., or you trade back into like the 8 to 12 range and stockpile a bunch of picks, maybe another player of the DJ Moore caliber to add to the to the mix and just really stockpile talent. But regardless of what happens, I'm good with it. Bears are in a great spot in the future. Uh, not often do you come across uh, having the number one overall pick in back-to-back years, and one of which – you not even being the worst team in the league. It's kind of crazy. But on the other other side of the ball, the Bears defense has been balling the last few weeks, adding Montez Sweat. I'll say it. I said it once. I said it again. He's been phenomenal. He was in the backfield a bunch. Kyler Gordon from the slot even beat a double team of, uh, I think it was an offensive tackle and then a guard, and he somehow got in for a sack. So got a feel for Kyler there. Uh, they just got to build the rest of that team up. Maybe they look to go O-line as well with their pick, but I think Marvin Harrison's the right pick for them if they finish top three. But yeah, the Bears have a lot to look forward to. The Cardinals, they do as well. They got a, they're going to have a top three, top four pick in the draft. The Bears, they're probably going to have a top one pick in the draft. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, Bears get a win over an iffy team. And I guess the Bears are mathematically still alive, but probably not going to happen for the playoffs. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Chicago scored touchdowns on three straight possessions in the first half, went up 21-0. Everything was looking pretty good at that point. Um, Khalil Herbert, season high, 112 yards and a touchdown. So nice game from him. 420 yards total on offense, 250 yards rushing after only 88 last week against Cleveland. So nice little bounce back game from the Bears going against a Cardinals defense that has been all right at some points in this season. Um, for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray played okay, 230 yards passing, two touchdowns. It's only a six game back from the ACL. This team desperately needs some help at the receivers. They've been missing Marquise Brown. Um, Greg Dorch had a couple big plays. He had that nice touchdown late in the game when it looked like maybe they were going to find a way to come back. Uh, I'd really hope that Rondell Moore would become something bigger in this offense these last couple seasons. Sadly, it hasn't really happened. Um, and this is the team that I look at as this should be Marvin Harrison Jr.'s home in this draft. Him going to Kyler Murray, I think this offense would be absolutely, maybe not a, absolutely electric, but I think it would be very fun to watch with him there. And um, as far as the Bears tweet or the Bears draft, I don't know if you guys saw the Caleb Williams liked tweet where he liked the mm-hmm. tweet saying that the Bears should draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one and pass on him. So I don't Caleb know if you Williams saw a recent like tweet where he said where uh, oh, I don't even have the exact quote, but the guy he liked the tweet saying that I've been waiting for all my life for Caleb Williams to for a quarterback like Caleb Williams to come to Chicago. And he liked that tweet as well. And that's more recent. So that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. He saw all the slander. That's why. <laughs> yeah. It's called PR. I think, he, I think it's just, he's yeah, just keeping PR. receipts. PR. <laughs> yeah. That's a, uh, it was something I, I tweeted out earlier at the beginning of the season. I said, which of these scenarios is funnier the Bears drafting Caleb Williams and he ends up not being nearly the prospect everybody thinks he is or the Bears trying to get him and he says no. I think both those options, I'm still pretty torn on which one of those is funnier. But Objectively, they would be so funny strictly because of Chicago's quarterback history. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess the, him being a bust looked uh, farther out than I guess it does now, even though I still don't think there's any chance he becomes a bust. But um, regardless, moving on here, Cowboys at Dolphins. Uh, the Cowboys have not lost two straight games. They got blown out last week in Buffalo. They lose a close one here in Miami. 
Uh, Dak played well, but the Cowboys just couldn't run the ball at all. Uh, they're a significantly better team when they can get Pollard involved and uh, run the ball a ton. They couldn't do that here. They had to sit back and pass for much of this game because uh, they just had no effective uh, effectiveness in the run game. Uh, three total touchdowns in this game. It was basically a field goal battle. Outside of that, um, the Dolphins, they won the turnover battle 1-0, to zero, which was enough for them to win this game overall in a close game. That was really the difference. Uh, credit to Dak and the Cowboys, though. They came down late, down points, and they had a huge touchdown drive late to take the lead. Uh, the problem was they just left too much time on the clock for the Dolphins. This Dolphins offense is too good to not be able to at least get in field goal range. They did more than that. They made it a chip shot for Sanders, and they won the game uh, on a pretty easy field goal to win it at the end. But um, big win for the Dolphins. Uh, you know, you uh, their problem all year long is people say, oh, they can't win a big game. They can't win a big game. They came out here. They won a big game. Uh, didn't just beat up on bad teams like they've been doing all season. Huge win for them. Cowboys. Now it's with the Eagles playing the commander or not the commander who they play uh, Cardinals next week and the Giants week 18. Uh, it's looking pretty unlikely that the uh, Cowboys do pass them up and end up winning that division. Uh, so maybe if you're uh, on the Cowboys coaching staff, you maybe just start watching some Tampa Bay tape. Yeah, this game was definitely really interesting. Uh, my MVP of the game was definitely Jason Sanders. He had three 50 plus yard field goals. Uh, 32 yard field goal, and then obviously that 29 yard field goal at the end to win it. You saw him count it off on his hand uh, to five after he made it, getting praised by his teammates. I always love when when the kickers get a lot of love. Uh, Tyree Kill, and I think this was his first game back after that injury. Nine catches for 99 yards. He was pretty good. Uh, nothing super spectacular, but he's always got that gravity effect to him that not a lot of receivers do have. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan, not too effective on the ground, but they didn't need to be. Tua was solid through the air against a really, really intense secondary uh, and defensive unit in general, led by Dan Quinn, who, according to you, Josh, is a superstar. And I completely agree. The Cowboys, on the other hand, on the offense, Dak Prescott, he was all right. Tony Pollard left a lot out there. And CeeDee Lamb, of course, phenomenal as per usual. Top three receiver on the year, in my opinion. Uh, six catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. He's been great all year, and he showed up in the big moments when it really mattered. Unfortunately, just left too much time on the clock, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Jason Sanders, can't say it enough. He was phenomenal. He was fun to watch this game. So, Yeah, uh, Dolphins finally beat a team above 500. Good for them. Raheem Mostert, NFL leading 21st touchdown on the season. Good for him. Sadly, for the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle did pick up a couple injuries. He was out for a little bit with an eye injury, came back. I think he has an ankle injury that they are going to have to monitor, so that's not good for them. Um, Tua, he played all right. 293 passing yards, no turnovers. That's what you want to do. Got the ball to Tyreek Hill, nine catches for 99 yards. They did enough to win this game. It wasn't the electric offense we'd seen all season, but a win is a win. Um, and the Cowboys, Dak was okay. He got the ball to CD. He had a good game, six catches, 118 yards, had the big score in the fourth quarter. They didn't decide to put Jalen, didn't shadow him with Jalen Ramsey all game. So that was an interesting tactic by Fangio, but the defense still played pretty solid. Um, for the Cowboys, my main takeaway is you touched on it with Tony Pollard, Josh. I think it, they might have to move on from him this season. Just Hasn't really had the season that you expected with the Cowboys run game. He had 12 carries for 38 yards in this game. Uh, he had that bad play where he maybe could have just went to the outside and ran into the end zone and stayed side of the cutup, got tackled at the one, and then I think they ended up fumbling on that possession and scored zero points on the one-yard line. So 
it'll be interesting to see what they do with the running back position. They haven't played Deuce Vaughn really at all this season. I don't think he's going to be an option for the future, but there's a couple players in the draft or maybe in free agency, maybe a Zach Moss. I don't know, but big win for the Dolphins finally getting a first win against a team above 500. Yep. Uh, moving on here to Sunday Night Football, Patriots beating the Broncos. Uh, Bailey Zappi has been better than Mac Jones overall when you let him play in a 0-0 game, not a 40 to nothing game. Uh, Bill Belichick was just putting him in at the end of games when Mac Jones was sucking. The times where he started, Zappi's actually been pretty solid. I mean, we saw it in the Steelers game. We saw it in this game here. Uh, two road primetime games, and he played pretty good in both of them. Neither team ran the ball well this game at all. Uh, this game, honestly, like it's hard to say. I, I hate to blame any game on just a few plays because you go and you play a game where there's 150 plays or whatever. It's hard to go and be like, Oh, these couple plays are the reason we lost. But you look at the Broncos giving up two touchdowns in six seconds. Uh, they gave up a touchdown uh, to the Patriots offense. And then on the kickoff, uh, you lose the ball. Patriots walking in the end zone. You get two touchdowns in six seconds. You go from down nine, seven, to down 23 to seven. And that's a hole. It's hard to dig out of the Broncos did score two touchdowns late trying to dig out of that, uh, aforementioned hole that they were in and they just couldn't do it. Uh, the Broncos are really starting to fall apart. It was looking like they were going to make a playoff push after starting so poorly this season. Now they're back to seven and eight, uh, Kind of, not completely, but semi-reminiscent of the Lions last year. Their horrible start. They battle back. It's looking that they're going to make the playoffs. Then they lose that tough road game to the Panthers, a team that they should have beat. Uh, I mean, the Broncos should not have beaten the Lions last week, but they definitely should have won this week at home against the Patriots. They couldn't do it, and it's looking like that magical run is probably coming to an end with all the eight and seven teams. Yeah, like you said, Broncos, they got to have this game, especially against the subpar opponent. Patriots, they just, this was a game they didn't need to win. They might have knocked themselves out of Drake May range. Uh, and I said it kind of jokingly last week, Patriots are going to win out and kind of ruin your little scheme for the Bears to not finish with the first overall pick. Maybe I'm speaking something into existence here. I don't know. But Bailey Zappi, he was all right. Uh, I think he's going to be a good backup quarterback for whoever they bring in next year. Mac Jones should be gone. Zeke didn't get much going on the ground, but again, a lot of running backs with a lot of catches this week. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had nine catches for 33 yards on a score. Uh, like I said before, they had no run game, so surprisingly that they won it. But like you said, a little bit of luck involved with the, what was it, two touchdowns in six seconds, I think it was. But regardless, the uh, Patriots, they, they came away with one that they shouldn't have and the Broncos that might have just killed their season. Yeah, one of the first teams in the cluster of teams in the AFC to kind of just be eliminated at this point. Their playoff hopes pretty much shattered. Uh, they had that nice stretch of game, but they have lost most of the mojo. You cannot lose to the Patriots when you're fighting for the playoffs, especially in the season when the Patriots have just been so poor. Um, Bill Belichick, great game coaching again. He was yelling at the refs again. A lot of people said he didn't care anymore this season, but you could tell in that game he wanted to win it again. Uh, screaming at the refs, solid game from Zeke again. Not great running the football, but did have nine catches in the passing game, had a receiving touchdown. And Chad Ryland, uh, I think they used like a fourth-round pick or something on him as a kicker. He's been pretty bad this season. He had the nuclear doink in this game where it sounded like a bomb went off. But somehow, after all that, he had missed two kicks in the game, but came out and kicked a game-winning 56-yard field goal. So good for the Patriots now. I hope they keep winning get themselves out of this top quarterbacks and we can see themselves for years to come. 
Yeah, this is completely off topic, but as I'm watching one of these random bowl games here in the background, I see in the bottom uh, right, it's advertising the Lions-Cowboys-ESPN Saturday night game. And for some reason, they are titling it a Monday Night Football Special Edition game. ESPN, just because you have Monday Night Football doesn't mean that every <laughs> game you don't have on Monday is Monday Night Football Special Edition. Like, that just makes no sense. I think uh, it's Monday pretty special. Ne- <laughs> yeah, Monday Night Football Special Edition on a Saturday, I guess, but... Regardless, hope the Lions can get that win in Monday Night Football next Saturday. But regardless, uh, moving on here to the Christmas Day games uh, and Christmas night game, I guess. Raiders at Chiefs. Uh, The Raiders won this game with no completed passes after the first quarter, which is just an insane stat. Um, It's hard. It's very hard to win a game like that. They managed to. Uh, Zamir White is a big reason for that. He was just huge on the ground all game for the Raiders. Uh. Back-to-back, this is another game very similar to the last game we just spoke about, how a couple plays completely changed the game. I mean, this one, you have a back-to-back scoop and score and then a pick six for the Raiders in the first half. And that was the story of the game. You got those 14 points, and they were basically in the driver's seat after that. Mahomes and this Chiefs offense has been pretty bad as of late, uh, and they've only been maybe decent, I would say, for the full season. They've been pretty bad recently. Um, I think... I mean, I'm going to keep coming on here and saying it. I've been saying it the past month or so. As bad as they look, I still think they're going to figure it out. And I still think they're going to probably come out the AFC. Uh, But it's rough right now. I will say, though, I will for sure be taking the Chiefs to win the AFC. It's going to be the best odds we've had in the Mahomes era, probably, uh, for them to win the AFC. And you might as well sprinkle them winning the Super Bowl, too. You're not going to probably get odds like this for a long time with the Chiefs. This defense is so, so good. You just have to figure it out in the playoffs with this offense. And it's hard to believe that they don't. We've seen it before. Andy Reid holding something back in the regular season, give it to you in the playoffs. got to imagine we see something like that. I will say uh, this is very, uh, what is it, the 2019-2020 Bears-esque win for the Raiders. And ironically, Matt Nagy was on the other sideline for this one. They ended up getting two defensive touchdowns, with where the, which were the difference makers in this one. Mahomes, him and Kelsey just seem out of touch. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm kind of on the opposite side of you, Josh. Uh, I don't think this Chiefs team is going to figure it out. I think they might run into a really hot wildcard team if they end up winning the AFC West. Uh, and from what it looks like, they probably will because the Broncos dropped a crucial one this week. So I, I think the Chiefs are going to drop a really, really, really large stinker in the wild card round and lose to maybe a hot Bills team or, or I don't even know, just someone else who just somehow sneaks in. Maybe Cleveland, if they sneak in as the five seed and uh, Kansas City drops to the four seed. That's I, their two late opponents right there. It's Cleveland. And right. Bills. But I mean, it, it's a close, close matchup. If I if I'm the Chiefs, I'm a little worried if I run into Buffalo or Cleveland because you just aren't playing good football right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like you said, Mahomes and Reed are holding something back for the playoffs. They just turn it on once the postseason hits. But outside of the Super Bowls, Mahomes has never won a road playoff game. And if they make it past the wild card round, it's going to be all on the road from then until the Super Bowl. So I don't know. It's going to be a tough road ahead for Kansas City. But honestly, I got my money on Baltimore after what we saw last night. Yeah, I don't think Mahomes has ever played in a road playoff game to even begin with. But for the Raiders, uh, a couple weeks ago, I said I thought maybe the Antonio Pierce era was coming to an end where the players were starting. They were losing games. They didn't look very good. But two weeks in a row now where this team has come out on fire and looked great, AP said before the game, by any means necessary. Um, and that's what they did. They didn't have to pass the ball. Uh, they were, I think they were the first team to ever – 
win without passing the ball after the first quarter since like 2000 or something. Um, two defensive touchdowns, Bilal Nichols, MVP, congrats to him. Jack Jones, pick six, seven seconds later. And Zamir White dominating the game on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, very surprised by this Raiders team. They came out and just dominated. Chiefs have lost three of their last four. Um, just a dominant game from the, the Raiders in this one. I didn't expect it, but the Nickelodeon game, they came out and they were the Grinch. Jack Jones after the pick six, pick, giving the ball to the fan. Uh, you love to see, love to see that. I love to see that. That's how it happened. Did you guys, you guys see, like, we'll actually watch the clip. There's a, oh, there's a grown man behind the kid trying to steal it from him. So he pulled it care. back from the kid. Oh, I, mean, I I'm with I him on this. that. You don't, you can't let the, a grown man steal the ball from a no, kid like that. You can't. Yeah, I feel that. I love this. Even if it, I just like the image of the kid. Um, it is funny. I like the Grinch narrative, yeah. <laughs> it I, is funny. Division rivals, we got to come back like that. You got to hate your division yeah. rivals. I agree. Um, and speaking on uh, Zach talking about the Bills possible rematch, if if that game happens, as a, if I were a Chiefs fan, I'd be petrified. I think a Chiefs well, versus Bills game. The exact opposite take. In the Chiefs versus Bills game, I think the Bills come in and they get their revenge from a couple years ago. I just think they do. I think the Chiefs win against any other team. I think the Chiefs would probably beat the Browns, in my opinion, but I think the Bills coming in. I think the Bills beat. It's interesting because I was about to, when you were done before you said that, I was going to say, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I am terrified of that Browns matchup and I'm begging for the Bills matchup. I'll say it now. I'll call my shot. I wouldn't want either of them. The Bills are not beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead twice. They're not doing it. Not in one season. We've seen them choke in the playoffs before. Um, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you'd much rather play the Bills than the Browns. The Bills defense is a lot uh, worse than the Browns defense. You struggle to score against a lot of teams right now. I think you'd rather play the shittier defense and hope that your offense can come through. I mean, ever since the the Sean McDermott news came out, the Bills team as a whole has been very good. So, Yeah, I mean, they showed some some tough flashes this week. I might take it back. I think the Chiefs lose in the first round if they play the Browns or the Bills. They have to that's what I'm, somehow I'm thinking the same thing. Well, yeah, that's an interesting take. I, I don't know. I just believe in the Chiefs. I just find a hard time believing after everything. I, I feel if that ha- it's hard to go against it. Mahomes looked like a just a diva these last couple weeks. He hasn't I don't know. I I wouldn't the, say call a fucking play or whatever. I'm back and forth on he has he been a diva for it. sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm back like and forth scared. on them. Rashid Rice yeah. has been great for them, but he, he has. Just but they like just scared. need one more. They just need one more guy, and Kelsey's getting old and stuff. But um, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Chiefs over the next few weeks. So uh, moving on here, Giants at Eagles. Uh, Giants went down big early in this game. Uh, Tommy DeVito gets benched for Tyrod Taylor, uh, who ended up being pretty good. It was kind of the week of the quarterback getting benched. Other one comes in and plays well. I mean, we had Davis Mills. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and of course Jacoby Brissett. Um, they almost come back in this game too. Saquon had a pretty solid game overall, nothing crazy for him. Uh, this is a better game for the Eagles' offense. Uh, they've been pretty mid recently overall, uh, but they had a much better game today. They were moving the ball a lot better. They put up a lot more points than they've been putting up. Uh, the Eagles were dominating this game, but just dumb turnovers led to an almost choke of this game. If you're gonna uh throw picks and fumble when you're up by a lot, um. Uh, no team in the NFL for the most part is just going to mail it in if you're going to give them the ball back. 
So if you're going to give them the ball back, they're going to try to score points and they're going to try to come back in this game. That happened for the Giants. They had a real chance to win this game. Uh, they did not, though. The Eagles hold on. This is a huge win for them with the Cowboys losing. Uh, like we mentioned, like I went into detail in the Lions uh, segment, they are now tied with the Niners and the Lions at 11 and four. We're talking about the Niners here in just a few minutes. But um, yeah, you're now at a, you're number one in your division uh, with no tiebreaker. You're number one. And you are tied with the Lions and uh, the 49ers, of course. Uh, for the Eagles, though, uh, they need the Lions to lose one of the next couple games because if they win out, they do not control their own destiny for the two seed. If the them and the Lions both win out, like I said, the Eagles would drop to the three seed, uh, which they don't want to do at this point in the season. Uh, they control their own destiny. As crazy as it may sound, they're probably rooting for the Cowboys next week. Uh, but we'll see. Regardless, uh Eagles didn't choke this one away. Yeah, the Eagles pretty much had full control of the game in the first half, and it even ended with a delay of game on the defense. I believe it was uh, – I don't know who it was. I think it might have been uh, Bobby ok- Okariki, who uh, – I don't remember what happened. I think it was – a he thought he got a fumble, and then he fell on it, and he held the ball with like four seconds left. It was going to run out the clock, but because of the flag, it stopped the clock and allowed the Eagles to go out and get a field goal to put themselves up, I believe, 17 at the half, which could have uh, turned into something really crazy at the end of the game uh, if things fell the Giants' way, but it didn't happen. But the Giants battled back, like you mentioned, a couple costly turnovers, really just mistakes in general, special teams error, and then stumbling on a route, which allowed for the Adoree Jackson pick six to bring the Giants within a possession. Eagles ended up just securing it after that, and DeAndre Swift was the main reason for that. He ended up having like what felt like a million yards on that final drive. They just the Giants just could not stop him. I'm a firm believer of if you get your run game going, it makes your quarterback's life so much easier. Once the Eagles got into that pistol set, and DeAndre Swift and Jalen Hurts were just going read option, RPO, or just inside zone run, Giants couldn't stop it, and it felt very easy for the Eagles to move the ball. Uh, props to DeAndre Swift, who has been relatively quiet the last few weeks. Uh, partially because of the quality of the opponents, but also because of just game script not really going his way. The Eagles going down pretty early or just being in shootouts against good teams. But if the Eagles want to have some playoff success, they're going to have to feed Swift, Gainwell, maybe even a little bit of Boston Scott, have a lot of success on the ground to let Jalen Hurts really thrive through play action and RPO action. Yeah, if they want to be successful in the playoffs, they obviously have to get that run game. That's really their key for everything. Um, They still have the tush push, though. Uh, Jalen Hurts... NFL record, most touchdowns by a quarterback rushing in a single season, 15 now. Um, he has a, a total of 39 yards across all 15 of his rushing touchdowns this season. That's an average of 2.6 yards per touchdown. Um, Mickey Mouse t- record, but Cam Newton had more yards on his record-breaking 14th rushing touchdown as a quarterback than Jalen Hurts had in all of them. So uh, the tush push has been a act for this Eagles offense. For the Giants, it looks like Tommy DeVito's insanity run is finally over. Tyrod Taylor came in and looked okay. Uh, DeVito hadn't really been the same since the maybe concussion in the Saints game. I don't know. But the second straight division title is clear for the Eagles. Just got to win out. Um, You got Arizona and the Giants to finish off the season. So you should probably win out. If you don't, then you have even bigger problems going into the playoffs than just a division title. But nice win for the Eagles. They were able to just get the run game going, like you guys said, and they need to do that. All right, moving on here to actually hold on. Before I move on, I do want to say, um, even though the Eagles are probably going to finish with a better seed than the Cowboys here, I definitely 
would be way more scared of the Cowboys in the playoffs. And I think that is very beneficial uh, to those middle, not the one seed teams. Because, I mean, let's say you're the Niners, right? You get the one seed, you get the bye. Uh, two, the Eagles beat whoever they play. The Lions beat whoever they play. The Cowboys beat whoever they play. Now you're playing the Cowboys in the divisional round. You're, you're going to be the one in the five. Then you get the Lions and the Eagles to duke it out. If I'm the Lions or the Eagles, I would much rather play each other than have to play either the Niners or the Cowboys. So I think if it ends up being like that and the Cowboys are sitting at the five, I think it's almost, I mean, I don't want to say it's more valuable because you can't take a win for granted and the number one seed is so important. But I don't know, getting, avoiding the Cowboys might be bigger than getting a buy at this point. Who who knows what it is? But I think that's something to look into when you have a, arguably maybe the second best team in the conference is going to be the five seed. Yeah, I think that's I scary. But regardless, the Niners will probably just still beat the brakes off them again. But speaking of the Niners, they got the beats, the brakes beaten off them last night. Um, the 49ers lose their first game healthy. I know Trent Williams got hurt late, uh, but overall, this was their first game that they lost healthy early in the game. We got to talk about it. Lamar tripping over the ref and getting the safety. The refs literally gave the Niners two points, uh, but that didn't make even close to a difference in this game. Thank God. Um, if this would have been the Ravens losing by one point or two points, it would be really hard to not look at that and be like that changed the entire game. But Purdy was pretty bad. He threw four picks. Not all of them were his fault. Uh, I'm trying to remember like exactly which one was what. The one that got deflected, that, that one was the was, second one. Yeah, Wait, that, no, that, that second one and the third were one. both the def- Second yeah. and third were both deflected. Uh, the one that was a screen to Debo that got deflected. That it's that 50 was the 50 second that. That, was that, the second that one's 50-50 for me on being his fault. The the one where Kyle Hamilton got shoved into the ground and then somehow got back up and made the that was that's just all hustle. All that's hustle. what I'm saying. It's hard for me to look at this because most of these picks, I'm trying to remember if it was the fourth one or the first one that was definitely his fault. The first I one was remember. definitely his fault. That was just first Kyle one. Hamilton first one easily okay. was okay. Didn't, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did not see Kyle Hamilton coming from the right. And he just that's what it was. Yes, that, that one was his fault. Um, um, the two that were tipped, eh, I think you can go either way on those. Maybe they're his fault. Maybe they're not. At the end of the day, the Ravens defense just fucking made plays. Whether you can be like, oh, this, I mean, yeah, it was a bad Brock Purdy game. He was one of the worst quarterbacks of the entire week the Niners were moving this ball the entire game on the Ravens they just couldn't score at all they and right when it looked like they were getting in a rhythm you had a big George Kittle pass or you had a big Christian McCaffrey run that's when the Ravens defense just came out of nowhere and made plays and that's just what won them this game I was very critical honestly I think I might be what you want me to come on here and shit on your team I mean I shit on the Cowboys offense early they've been like the best offense in the league basically since then I come on here last week, talk about how I think the Ravens are probably frauds, and they go and they beat the brakes off the team that I said was the best team in football. Please talk about how bad um, the Bears are, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do talk about that. That, that <laughs> j- The Bears are too bad for that jinx Denver work. But uh, regardless, if I if your team is good and I shit on your team, you're they're probably going to end up being better. Regardless, um, Niners, tough loss for them. Eagles and the Lions are very, very happy with this one to tie that up at the top of the NFC. Uh, like I just spoke about a few minutes ago, Christian McCaffrey was still Christian McCaffrey still had a good game. You're not going to stop him from having a good game, but we now know it's okay. If he has a good game, you can still beat the Snyder's team. They're beatable. You just have to make plays and force turnovers. That's just how you have to beat them. 
Uh, like I said, the Niners offense wasn't horrible outside of the, just the plays that they made and a cup uh, on the Ravens defensive plays that they made and a couple bad Brock Purdy throws overall. Um, the Ravens proved that it just doesn't matter if you give up a ton of yards and you get shredded. I mean, there were times, especially early on in this game, the first couple of drafts for the Niners were like, oh my God, they're getting everything. A couple of giant George Kittle plays. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, like I said, was going crazy, of course. Uh, and it was like, okay, are they about to just run up and down the field with the Ravens here? And right when it looked like they were going to do good, they have a crazy play where Kyle Hamilton makes an insane play or Marlon Humphrey gets a tip. Um, oh, that that was the that was the other one, right? It was like the sack and it got tipped up. Shit. And it got tipped up and then Marlon Humphrey picked it. Is it, I'm trying, um, to, I'm trying yeah. to remember exactly. The first one was Hamilton. So the second one was the screen pass that was shot straight into the air and then I think yeah. Humphrey got it. And then the third one was Humphrey was in coverage on Kittle, went off the shoulder pad up Hamilton after being pancaked illegally was in the right place at the right time. And then the last one was, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was just crowded pocket going down, tried throwing it. Patrick Queen that, picked it. And then he oh, took the it like 30 Queen something right. yards down right. to like the 10 or something. And then one of them that there was like a unnecessary roughness or something at the, or no, the, the Kyle Hamilton one where he was down and got back up and picked it. There right. was, he also had the 15 yard penalty that I didn't right. know they were going to give them that after the, the kick. For some reason, I thought it was just going to get declined and that would be it. But 15 extra yards, I mean, that was crucial. That was one of the biggest plays of the game right there. Um, but overall, I don't know with four picks how you remember every single one like that. It's pretty crazy. But <laughs> regardless, that's that's all that's all I've had to – all i got to say about this one. The Niners just went out. You beat the Cardinals. You beat the Rams. Two teams – or is it the Cardinals? Who do they play next week? It's not the Cardinals. Cardinals and – Eagles, I thought. No, it's uh, command. Com- yeah, it's Commanders. Commanders. Rams. Oh, is the last okay. two for them. So gotcha. don't lose a game you shouldn't lose against the Commanders next week. Chase Young revenge game. They're not going to lose that game. Yeah, we're talking though. Rams week eighteen. The Rams could need that game more than the Niners do. Honestly, I, I don't think it would be crazy to see the Niners win that game. I mean, two of the best coaches we've seen go head to head. We've seen both the- get the best out of one another. Um. In the game that mattered the absolute most, though, which coach won that game? That's all I got to say. Well, for me, I've got a lot of things I want to say about this game. I hope I can keep them straight in my head. I don't have them written down or anything, so that's probably on me. So hopefully I remember everything. First off, uh, prior to this game, I had San Francisco as my NFC uh, championship winner. My, probably my Super Bowl pick just because they had zero games where they looked awful on both sides of the ball. And, of course, they just go out and look horrendous on offense in the red zone. They couldn't finish drives. A lot of a couple unlucky interceptions, but a couple that really you just kind of want to have back if you're Brock Purdy. And the defense, they just couldn't contain Lamar. He looked superhuman out there. He was phenomenal. Uh, Next point. um, Geez, now I'm already forgetting. Oh, it felt like the first half was kind of a series of missed opportunities for Baltimore. And San Francisco should have been considered lucky to only be down like 16 to 12 going into halftime. I think Brock Purdy had three of his four interceptions in the first quarter or just early into the second quarter. And the Ravens only somehow got 16 total points out of that. So that's really unfortunate for them, but they ended up winning the game by double digits anyway. So that's really good. And, oh man, I knew I was going to forget the last one, but, oh, I think you mentioned it already. Brock Purdy. I only think two of those interceptions were really his fault. The last one, the Patrick Queen one, and then the first Kyle Hamilton one, it's just a misread, but nobody's perfect. I mean, he's been great all year. So, oh, 
I do remember my last point. Um, this game, I, okay, I'm going to preface this by saying Christian McCaffrey is a phenomenal football player and one of the best running backs, honestly, to ever play the game with his skill set. But this game is why you can't give Christian McCaffrey the MVP this year because he had a phenomenal game this week, but it did not impact how the 49ers ran their offense. The quarterback position is way more valuable than any other position on the field. And if your quarterback is having a bad game, then your team is most likely going to have a bad game in general, and you are most likely going to lose that game. Especially playing against a really good team like Baltimore, San Francisco, they needed a superstar-level performance out of their quarterback who just didn't make mistakes, do what he normally did. But unfortunately, he made a couple of costly mistakes early. He just wasn't on time, on rhythm, or in rhythm a lot early in this game, and it kind of cost him. So in my opinion... I don't think I have Christian McCaffrey in my top three in MVP voting. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think he's still probably in my top five, but I'm not going to let one game diminish how great he's played his entire time as a 49er. So I think for next episode, I'll probably come up with a, a more solid uh, list of my MVP rankings, maybe one to three, one to five. I don't know, but it's a little bold, but I this is the type of game where Christian McCaffrey cannot be considered an MVP because the running back position more often than not, does not impact winning as much as you think it does. Yeah, but they were still able to move the ball pretty well, so I think that was mainly McCaffrey. But on to this game, uh, it's only the second time ever that the teams with the sole possession of the best record in each conference played in Week 16 or later. Big matchup. A lot of people expected the 49ers to go in there, and Mike Florio especially beat the brakes off of the Ravens, and that just did not happen. Flores, Mark that 30. was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Flores. Yeah. Uh, four interceptions for Purdy. Some were unlucky, but overall just didn't have it. Still finished with 255 passing yards. McCaffrey had a very solid game, 102 yards and a touchdown, 28 yards receiving. Set a franchise record with his eight straight game with at least 100 yards from scrimmage. Lucky for the Niners, they do still control their own destiny with the first round by, like you guys said. But on to the Ravens, Lamar. He just owns the NFC. He's 20-1 and one in games he starts. That's just a ridiculous record against the other conference. The only loss I looked it up was to the Giants, surprisingly. I think it was last year. Uh, Lamar had 252 passing yards, 45 rushing yards. Looked like an MVP candidate. He doesn't necessarily – I don't think he has the stats, but, I mean, he's been one of the most impactful players in football no matter what. Uh, Zay Flowers, he's been great. 74 catches, 752 receiving yards, five total touchdowns. He's been – Absolute fine for this offense. Great. Uh, Lamar finally has some weapons between Flowers. Likely he's been pretty solid. Rashad Bateman has his moments. Um, he's 9-1, and one, Lamar, since tweeting the word Johnny. 98.9 passer rating. Uh, Ravens have been so good. Defensive side of the ball, they've been great. Kyle Hamilton has been a star. I never saw anything about his injury. Is he okay? Does anybody know? I do not I know. I do not know. I honestly kind of forgot about it. Yeah, because I know he picked up the knee injury, but I saw him walking on the field after the game. He looked okay, so hopefully he's all right. Jadavian Clowney has been very good for this defense. Eight and a half sacks this year. He's only getting paid two and a half million. He's been just a very good find for this defense. Um, every AFC North team could still finish above 500, which would be crazy, but the Ravens are the best out of the bunch and just continue to win. Yeah, just a couple things I wanted to address uh, on the MVP situation before we move on to studs and duds here. Uh, what you said, Zach, I don't I don't necessarily disagree. I think if you really look into the because when the MVP debate happens in any sport, it's I mean, let's be honest, it should just be the best player. It, but it, then you get the side that's you start talking about most. You get the guys who are 
valuable. It's in the <laughs> those guys on Twitter. And I understand that point. If it is most valuable, I think that point makes a ton of sense. But then, and this isn't what happened this year, obviously, with Purdy. But what if you have a situation where a team goes 17-0? and Their quarterback has been great all season, leads everybody in a ton of stats, but he's had a few, like three, four, five games where he looked bad. Purdy's really only had one or two. But let's just say they've had a ton of games where they look bad, but they still like have three or four, really. Yeah. Re- Their three game slide, a good portion of it was him just not being great because he lost a couple guys with injury. Exactly. So that's why I don't think this situation applies to Purdy. But let's just say they have the best record in the league. The quarterbacks had a ton of bad games, but overall, his stats are pretty solid. He hasn't wowed anybody similar to Purdy this year, hasn't wowed anybody on what he's done. And then you have your running back who's dominated every single game, but in those losses, it hasn't mattered because the quarterback hasn't played well. Yes, in that situation, does that mean the quarterback's more valuable? Yes, but the quarterback is the most valuable position in all of sports. So if we're just going to use that, then at this point, it's just a quarterback award because you get the added bonus of that. If we're talking about who's had the better season, it's Christian McCaffrey. If that's what we're talking about, he's had the better season. Regardless, I think it is Lamar now because the quarterback position does matter and that plays a giant factor in the MVP. It's just how it's always been. It's not going to change. The Heisman, we saw it. They did change it. The Heisman, I don't think has... Does the Heisman Trophy have valuable in it? I don't, uh, I don't no, know, but I wanted but to... It, it's just best player. Yeah. Most outstanding. How it I should think. be. Most outstanding. Yeah, I think right? it is most outstanding, yeah. It, it Which I think situation... is a better description of what it should be. I agree. It shouldn't be most valuable. That doesn't make any sense. This situation with this MVP this year reminds me of a couple years ago when it was between Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith did end up winning. Exactly, so. exactly. Right. But that, that then that brings us back to it's two different trophies and we know how the NFL looks That's at true. it. Right. That's so true. I don't know. It's if I had a vote, if I had to make a prediction of what I think they're going to do, I think they give it to Lamar best record in the league quarterback has completely transcended how he's played his game. Mike and I were talking about it last night, uh, just turning himself into a passer and being a less aggressive runner while still getting rushing yards. Is super impressive. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. But if I'm t- getting a vote, I'm voting Christian McCaffrey. I just am. I think – oh, I'm trying to think. I think you could have instead of uh, – th- this is such a weird way to put it, but I think you should have like an offensive MVP and then a defensive MVP. And, and then, then like the – and then no. And then the most outstanding offensive player than the most outstanding defensive player rather than like MVP and then offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. You should have one for each side of the ball. Because for me, I think I might have TJ Watt in my MVP conversation at like the four or five spot. Because, I mean, what do you value more? 2,000 total yard scrimmage season from a running back or a 20 plus sack season from an edge rusher? Yeah, it's that's a tough one. I mean, I'm probably taking the edge rusher, but... Exactly. So it, it's really tough. So I think the only way to solve... I think offensively, the only way to solve that is obviously, I think... MVP is a quarterback dominated award. I'm not saying it should be that way, but it always has been. And it probably always will be for the foreseeable future, but that's why offensive player of the year exists where guys like Tyree kill, who was really close to breaking 2000 yards prior to those injuries that he had Justin Jefferson, who, if he didn't get hurt, he was probably going to be up there in the 1800, 1900 yard mark, probably 11 or 12 touchdowns at least. And then Christian McCaffrey, who's I think over 2000 scrimmage yards this year. So that's why offensive player of the year exists. I think CMC, in my opinion, Lamar MVP, and then CMC at offensive player of the year. 
and probably CD Lamb, but a close second behind. Ooh, but then you got to have Tyreek Hill in there. Oh man, there's not enough awards to go around for all the talent. Tyreek, it's Tyreek and CMC for offense. I don't think yeah. you can argue anybody else. It's those yeah. two. Yeah, I mean, CD has just been so impressive too. But I'd argue it's, it should be those two for MVP, but they're not going to do that. But comparing CD to Tyreek and CMC, I think you have to have like Tyreek and CMC, then a tier below CD. I agree. Too much yeah. talent. I, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, for MVP, I probably got Lamar right now. CMC runner up, um, just like you guys, CMC, then Opoy, and then just two quick dark horses I'd put. Two and Josh Allen, if they can just go off these last two weeks, they play each other week 18. If one of them goes off in that big game, maybe they can sneak their way into the conversation. I would I still say like Dak Tua, as well. Tua, maybe Josh Allen. I don't think you can argue that. I mean, he lost I mean, he his has team the, games early. I mean, like, he has the numbers, though. On him. But I mean, Josh yeah, Allen, he's also, have the numbers. He just, his hero ball is like a blessing and a curse because when he plays well, it's like, oh man, they won because of him because he makes some crazy play where he's jumping over a six foot four linebacker. But at the same time, like early in the year, like you just mentioned, Mike, that Jets game, if he doesn't play hero ball and doesn't throw those three picks, they don't even go to overtime and they're not even worried about fighting against this clusterfuck of teams in the wild card situation. They might be even looking at the division because they start out hot. They don't have to worry about any like what's the word? demoralizing losses because I mean, losing on a punt return in OT is so brutal and that kind of put their season off to a rough note to start. So instead of going three and one to start, they're four and oh, and they're maybe just continue to keep winning. They could be sitting at 11 and what is it four right now? If they don't lose those games that they shouldn't have lost like Patriots game or that I'm going to go in uh, Jets. I'm going to go and clickbait this episode and call it, is Josh Allen an MVP candidate? <laughs> Get it's one thing we talk about at the very I, end, which is I keep people in. Yeah. I mean, he's third in touchdown, six in yards, second in QB ratings. If he finds a way to win these last two games, yeah. maybe if the Dolphins slip up next week, I don't know who has the tiebreaker. Well, the Bills would have the tiebreaker. The Bills so. would because they swept Dolphins. Yeah. So, Dark Horse, he's what? I mean, Plus you said it before. He's got, this is his fourth straight year Plus with 14 total yeah. touchdowns. I mean, he, he's a really good guy. I mean, he's he's real good. I There's a lot of guys you can make an argument for MVP for or even Offensive Player of the Year, and I like that. I like when there's a lot of variety in the voting, where not one guy is running away with it, when there's a group of five to six who you can really call for it, and you can make your argument for them, and most of your points will be valid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of great players, we should move into studs and duds. Can I go first uh, for, this week? I, I got to tackle something before you get to You can it, go Josh. first, but I know you don't have mine. Uh, probably don't. not. Unfortunately, mine I want to start with being taken. I want to start with my dud. Uh, you were the big man the first time we brought up this segment, Josh. You put up the Lions offensive line for that one. Uh, it hurts me to say this, but DJ Moore is my dud of the week against the relatively weak Cardinals secondary. Uh, only three catches for 18 yards. You got to hope for a little bit more, even though you are hurt, but you are right. It is week 16. No one is hundred percent healthy. All those hits do take a toll, but this recent injury, it's not an entire excuse to put up a rough, rough game against an iffy secondary at best. So DJ Moore is my dud of the week. Uh, sad, but my stud of the week, I talked about it before. Jason Sanders, five for five on field goals with the game winner as time expired. Hey, I I was I like hyping it. him up early before. I, was I did trying, have your. I you, I, was trying, I did I have yours. I hint at it before, but I did have yours. Of the week. What I'm I, I shouldn't have let you go before <laughs> me. I'm just saying he was he was great, and I 
Got to respect the kickers, especially Cairo Santos, very underrated season. But start of the week is Jason Sanders, five for five with the winner this week. Well, that's crazy uh, because we're giving a lot of love to the kickers this week. I had three studs, Jason Sanders, five for five, one for one on extra points. Young Wei Koo, five for five, two for two on extra points. And Dicker the Kicker, five for five, one for one on extra points. Uh, shout out the kickers. It's crazy that we happen to have the same one there. But <laughs> um, regardless, moving on to my dud, uh, DJ Moore was one of mine. Of course, he was horrible. He's not top 10 in any uh, receiving uh, that's, that's uh, stat. A little bit. He's not, I mean, it's just a, he's just not top 10 in any but receiving You're saying stat. he's horrible. Uh, let's slow down a little bit. He had bit. a horrible week. I said he had a horrible week. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not horrible. I I don't think he's a bad receiver. I think he's a good receiver. Top five was not. crazy. I don't and Debo over Debo is really crazy. Um, but moving on to my actual the Debo's quarterback. We just talked about it. Brock Purdy. Um, sub sixty percent complete. I left you Amari Cooper. Okay, buddy. You can. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, it. I left you Amari Cooper. Um, Brock Purdy sub sixty percent completion percentage. Zero touchdowns, four picks. We talked about not all those picks probably being his fault, but regardless, you have zero touchdowns, four picks as the leading MVP candidate. I think that has to put you in a dud. So I have the three kickers, Sanders, Youngway, Koo, and Dicker as my studs, and Brock Purdy as my dud. Yeah, uh, for my start of the week, I'll go with Amari Cooper then. 11 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Killed my fantasy football playoff. 256. 265. Um, yeah, you said 100. I was just making sure that. Oh, yeah, 265. Um, <laughs> killed my fantasy football playoffs. Uh, honorable mention, Kyle Hamilton, two picks. He had a great game last night, and I looked it up. He says it should be all right. My dud of the week, I had Brock Purdy. You took him. I'll go with Darren Waller. Uh, he's just not good. Two catches for 32 yards. He fucking sucks. He's terrible. <laughs> he can't catch the football. And, yeah, he's just not good. Doesn't have a good quarterback. for you. <laughs> that was, yeah. But um, we'll end this episode here. We've been we've been yapping for a while now. Um, we will be back most likely. All right, this video is going up Wednesday. We will most likely be back Thursday, so tomorrow for the week seventeen preview. Um, what else will we talk about? That you know what I don't know. What we're gonna talk about else on that episode, but we got week we'll seventeen preview for sure. No recaps because we got through the entire slate today on this episode. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll talk some awards or some playoff stuff. I'm sure we'll get sidetracked into some of that. But as always, like and subscribe. Uh, follow all of our socials in the description. We have our Spotify down there as well. If you don't want to look at us, you just want to hear what we have to say, you can go on there, give us a rate and whatnot, download the episodes, do what you got to do. Uh, and we'll see everybody in the next one.